and That's they nice. went on tour together. The pumps opened up for the peps. Really? And uh, Korgs apparently just slays at b-ball. Wow. He's, he's like 6'3 or something. He's like a tall yeah. dude. But the way he dresses does make it, it like creates an optical illusion that he's like five and a half feet tall. Like yeah, I would have thought that like, like Tom York is six feet tall stars. and he and Billy Corgan is like five three. Fun fact, and it's it, like reverse. In every picture <laughs> you see of Tom York and Billy Corgan together, Tom York is standing twenty feet closer to the can- camera <laughs> to create an optical. It's illusion. like how they shot Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah, with yeah. The where they're on scenes. like mo- mechanical, uh, mechanical motorized rigs to yeah. keep them <laughs> the same way away from the camera. You heard it here Which first. Is, just like how in every picture, Tom York has his head cranked all the way to one side, <laughs> so you assume like, oh, when he's like straight as a as a corn husk, he must be <laughs> a tall right. man. Yeah, yeah, the ultimate height con. Uh, yeah. Well, Tom York ha- has a uh, medical condition that is only known as quizzical neck. <laughs> uh, anyway. Quiz neck. It could happen to you <laughs> Speaking and your family. of the pumps and the peps, we're rolling on into the 90s with this episode of <laughs> And Introducing, picking up where we left off on the story, the tale, the legend of Anthony Kiedis, lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. When we left left Kiedis, he was in a dark place indeed, having uh, suffered the death of his band's lead guitarist, Hillel Slovic, Mm -hmm. uh, at the hands of the treacherous mother heroine. Uh, (laughs) The treacherous mother. The one who gives pleasure and and then so easily takes it away. Oh, my God. Having been so strung out himself that he was unable or for, too forgetful to even attend Hillel's funeral. Yeah. It's sad days in Pepperland as we leave, uh, as we approach the wind down to the 80s and the wind into the 90s. Uh, back again, it's me, Chris Wade, here in the pod. In the pod studio? In the pod studio in scenic Gowanus, New York. Also mm. here with me in New York is... Molly O'Brien. Hello. Hello, Molly. And on the horn via Skype messenger. Uh, <laughs> and sorry. And on the horn. Premium peer to peer chat software. And on the horn via Google trademark hangout copyright <laughs> is our senior LA correspondent. Nathan Truman. You got promoted since last last episode, I think. Or did we did we say that you were senior the whole time? I forget. I'm a bad manager. (laughs) Well, once our LA bureau chief quits, you can go all the way to the top, Nathan. Director. I mean, yeah. Director of LA. Thanks. Greetings from the valley. It's a beautiful (laughs) night out here. Uh, any any LA updates? Um uh, well, summer league just finished the the um, summer basketball for all the new basketball players. So of course the Lakers okay. were had a big time. They won the summer games, and uh, <laughs> I bet Flea and Chad and Anthony and Josh Klinghoffer were all really excited for their team. Yeah, yeah. Do, are they, they are noted all... rooters of the of the Lakers or for oh, the Lakers? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like Flea has played the national anthem for several games. Uh, including once on trumpet, I believe. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. And Great. one really sterling rendition only on bass. That's amazing enough that we might have to listen to it. Yeah, uh, right now. The funny thing is, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I know how his face is going to look. Please rise, remove your hats for the playing of our national anthem this evening. 
I flee. He doesn't use any of the notes from the national anthem. It's amazing. Any of the notes. And yet he played the national anthem. Mm-hmm. He just he this, felt the okay. national anthem. Yeah. The national anthem isn't a melody, it's a it's a spirit and a way of life. It's a it's a broad interpretation of the national anthem. What? <laughs> oh my god. They just cut to Kobe being like, What? They keep holding on Kobe and he kind of looks like he's about to laugh but also maybe cry I think I just saw a, gl- a glint in his eye that is definitely one of the highest ratios of notes to that are actually in the national anthem to notes that are not in the national anthem <laughs> yeah <laughs> of, of rendition of the national anthem right. I ever heard um, my I god think, I think there's also a video of Chad Smith playing drums to the national anthem before a Pistons game <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> I hope that he he's playing uh, melodic drums. Uh, that each drum is tuned to a different note, like a timpani. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would love to see that. Maybe we'll cut in a few minutes of that, but we don't have to watch it. Uh, so outro music, or for yeah. for the mid roll. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so let's dive back into the life of Keeds. Great. All right, guys. Anthony's not doing so hot. Uh, and nor is anyone else. Uh, so at this point, Hillel has overdosed. Uh, their current or at the time current drummer burned out and departed. So the band is basically at one of their uh, several nadirs. Uh, and Anthony and Flea hold auditions, which like open auditions, and they end up hiring Chad Smith to drum as well as an 18-year-old uh, fresh-faced newbie named John Frusciati. <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes. I've never known how to pronounce his name. Frusciante? Frusciante. Uh, fr- I mean, I've always heard it as Frusciante. Frusciante? That's how I've always Frusci- heard it. I don't know if I've ever f- heard it from his mouth. That's more efficient. Yeah, I don't know if you ever will. But um, <laughs> yeah, if he, says his own, if he says his own name, he—he's the man who da- does not him. speak his name. He's like yeah. Rumpelstiltskin. If you, if you get him to say his own name, he's banished to yeah. a dimension of pure licks. Well, let's hope he's not like Beetlejuice, because if we say his name too many times, it would be awkward. If we're talking shit about, I'm just gonna say for 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 Hey, what's Chad Smith's deal? Chad Smith. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I don't think we can ever what's really that know. But according to AK, um, his audition was like absolutely savage and he just murdered. Basically, he looked like this 80s cornball, right? Like he had a a headband and sort of fried hair metal hair and he just looked like this corny dude. And later on, Anthony Kiedis was like, oh, BTW, Chad Smith basically came to LA to become a star. Like he wanted to be a Hollywood actor, not necessarily a funky, funky drum boy. Which which uh, explains the similarity to noted Hollywood heartthrob, Will Ferrell. 
<laughs> sure. Like if things had gone slightly different, he could have been in Daddy's home instead of in uh, in the Peps. Drummy's home. But Chad Smith, he basically seemed corny he, as he hell. Is the most he is the normiest member of the Peppers. He's definitely square. Um, but then he just he blew everyone away with his drumming. Like Flea gave him something relatively easy rhythm wise, and Chad was like, I don't I don't even know what that would have sounded like, but it just sounded like he absolutely destroyed him percussionally. Um, and they're like, Yeah, great, you're hired. Um, and they hire. I didn't realize John Frusciante was so baby young. He was just a wee boy. Oh wait, uh, sorry. Did this did this book come out pre Chickenfoot? Wait, it came out did, in 04. Nathan, explain Chickenfoot. Yeah, please. If I were healer, I'd use my hands. I put a spell on you. If I were a magic man, if I were Jesus, Buddha or a king. If I were a blues man, oh Lord, I could sing about So Chickenfoot is Chad Smith on drums. Okay. Is it Sammy Hagar or is it David Lee Roth? It is Sam. Sammy Hagar because Sam- I saw Sammy Hagar uh, something on hotel television promoing a weird nosebleed <laughs> channel that has some uh, Sammy Hagar travel series and it credited what? him as Sammy Sammy Hagar comma chicken foot. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you calling chicken foot? So it's the two of those, and then uh, I don't know who's okay. on bass, but I know Joe Santriani plays guitar. And they don't yeah. have a rhythm guitar players. So they just have Joe Santriani doing whatever he wants to do. Just go surf it's, for that alien. It's the <laughs> super group that nobody wanted or needed. They're a super group made to play the Jay Leno Tonight Show. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> every uh, tape deck in every one of Jay Leno's 200 cars is permanently stuck on chicken foot. Exactly. It's a chicken foot tape jammed into it. I just want to share three quick facts about chicken foot as Googled on Wikipedia. Uh, one is that chicken foot, the name chicken foot apparently is a, dis- a disparaging term for the peace sign. As in okay. a peace sign also looks like a chicken footprint. Um, so that's that. So do uh, they hate peace? Hate and I think yeah, they do. I actually do think they on the record it was don't like in the heady pro war days of the early aughts so so george w bush played bass yes yeah right uncredited okay. oh my god yeah um the second fact about chicken foot is that their second studio album was called chicken foot three <laughs> for no good reason <laughs> And Wikipedia states their, their origin as Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the world's only resort-based anti-peace group. <laughs> that might be right. Is that the part of Mexico where Jesse Ventura lives now? <laughs> I thought it? he lived off the grid. But there might not be a grid down like, there. We don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's a, like a strong grid down there. I know there was a point where he just like disappeared for a while. And then he just had, like, shoulder-length horseshoe hair. And he's like, I surf all the time now. It's great. I love it. Um, no, so this is this is definitely... Uh, this is pre-Chicken Foot, this book. Um, but it's nice to know that the, that's, that's Chad's future. So they hire those two boys. Anthony says he basically has this, like, complicated mentor-mentee relationship slash competitive musical rivalry with John. Um, it sounds like there's some weird like tension going on there. Uh, and they record Mother's Milk, which is their first record to go gold. 
Anthony says it isn't their best work, but at least he was pretty sober when he recorded it. <laughs> so that's silver lining. That's now, not so bad. I, I was just listening back through some of these songs and also to the production quality of these albums leading mm-hmm. up to Mother's Milk. And it kind of shocks me to hear that Anthony thinks that Mother's, to say Mother's Milk is quote unquote not their best work because it seems like jumping from Uplift Mofo Party Plan to Mother's Milk is a pretty noticeable mm-hmm. jump in quality. Uh, in song craft, I mean, they're still kind of in their immature party boy phase, but the bridge to the Chili Peppers that we would know as the you know super group of the '90s, 2000s, and beyond really looks much more clearer in those songs in that album mm-hmm. than in their earlier work. So it, I find it kind of surprising that he brushes it off so e- easily because a lot of tracks on that album actually own, whereas some of their previous albums have good tracks at best yeah i think i mean he doesn't totally brush it off i think he he expresses that like playing with john and chad re-energizes their group and they can go in new directions but i think if anything he's just like downplaying it in comparison to the achievement that is blood sugar sex magic like you know it's pretty good but it's not this absolute instant classic kind of thing yeah, I think that it, was his it's cute. almost like hiring a second half of the band to try to recreate what the band was in their previous albums instead of trying to become what the band would become in mm-hmm. its next albums. Sure. It's a practice run. Yeah. It's, They're just getting comfortable. Weird. Oh, uh, it's it's weird that he... Did we say it's like a mentee-mentor relationship and also is like competing with him musically? Yeah, yeah. Because Anthony Kiedis isn't good at music. it's like his main thing right yeah he's he's the he sucks he sucks really bad and he's good he knows like all the scales and everything all the all the the scales he did he knows scales scientists hadn't even discovered yet until john frusciante came on the scene yeah he was born running the mixolodian scale (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if it's like a like like a physical rivalry rivalry thing or something like john is like the next like cute one to come well, he's, in he's the new hotness yeah i think <laughs> at that this, at this uh, point uh the tension is there for at, that reason perhaps at this point anthony kiedis is like what 25 or something and has mm-hmm. been on the brink of ODing for her damn near a decade uh yes. so he's maybe feeling a little ragged a little worn down uh <laughs> <laughs> you know i could see how how the hot 18-year-old guitar slinger coming in uh, might give you some complicated dad feels. Yeah, here comes this 18-year-old who won't make eye contact with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) He's so compelling. What does he he? he know? Never takes his guitar off. (laughs) (laughs) What's under there? Well, definitely a sock. That is like chrono- chronologically the first Red Hot Chili Pepper song that my band in high school covered. <laughs> chronologically really? the first is the is the story of your high school band told in, told along the timeline of Red Hot Chili Pepper covers. Uh, yes, I think in a major way. <laughs> well, maybe we can track this podcast along those covers as well. Yes, uh, but let's continue with it. 
uh, Kitas. Yes. So, um, as as you might recall, before in the last episode, Anthony's been dating a child actress named Iona Sky. Emphasis on the child. She's sixteen. Um, but they break up uh, once he goes on tour Good. in the fall of 89 um, when they're touring on Mother's Milk. And so he has lots of shenanigans on the road. It's honestly, it's all sort of blurs together and there's just endless uh, recounting of using other bands, members' rooms and beds to have his his intercourses. Um, the only highlights is that he <laughs> he's just has this way of, this corny ass, Kiedis way of, talking about sex where he says he wheedles a Japanese fan until she gave up the whole enchilada of love and then he meets his next girlfriend Carmen and falls under the tsunami of her love oh boy god what is the enchilada man like uh, I I don't know the upshot of that is that (laughs) his lyrics are not metaphorical or poetic that is how Anthony Kiedis relates to life and women of just like different Mexican foods yes (laughs) (laughs) the big cheesy gordita if anything I I feel like his best bits are going to his lyrics and these sort of cornball sentiments are the leftovers of what aren't in lyrics or perhaps a word lyrics that never made it to to songs that were put on tape. Yeah, is he trying to sound poetic about it, or is he trying to sound intentionally disrespectful? Like maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, so he meets this next girlfriend, Carmen. Uh, age unspecified. Carmen is a blonde with a bowl cut who does things like punch herself in the face to give herself a black eye when she feels like he's straying. Um, And then after they break up, Anthony has a dalliance with Sinead O'Connor. I know we had briefly, I'd mentioned this Sinead situation. Um, He says, I gave her driving lessons in my 67 convertible matte black Camaro. We'd drive around and listen to music and kiss and whatnot, but she wasn't exactly letting me all the way in her door, so to speak. And I don't just mean vaginally. (laughs) So she was like closed off. (laughs) Or does that mean that he was hanging outside the car? (laughs) No, he's he was speaking vaginally and also emotionally she wasn't letting her in the door he was in the car (laughs) i'm just again i'm baffled about the it just seems like a very inefficient use of both of their time for him to be giving the driving lessons here yeah i mean i'm just shocked that she would give him the time of day like it didn't (laughs) seem like she would want to like you can look at that guy and, Mm -hmm. and see like what he is he he hides nothing he is brutally honest in his presentation an open book he doesn't he doesn't care about ireland she's like i have serious thoughts about religion and irish politics and he's like i like to take my wing wang out and wave it around (laughs) i think the pope (laughs) rules he's sexy and funky (laughs) (laughs) pope why that's the that's the fuck hottest head of state there is (laughs) what's your problem you heard my song funky pope (laughs) I believe the Funky Pope was a dance craze. Briefly started in the late eighties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, listen, the late eighties and early nineties were crazy. Like, I I don't know how these things happen, but he's he's down with the bald heads though, which is kind of cool. Like was, he's not was picky. Iona also balded headed. No, she had like long, beautiful, flowing brownish locks. Oh, so she was an. An anti So, like, bowl cuts, shaved head, long hair. Anthony loves all the enchiladas equally. 
I bet that <laughs> is green sauce a, mole whatever. Yeah, that is that phrase is in a song that he's sung somewhere. Really. I Enchilada bet. Like of has, love. Well, at least like says, bowl cut, shaved head, long hair. Who cares? I love it all. Mmm, yum. Uh, yeah, indisputably. Uh, <laughs> you could cut your hair, girl, any way you like. I'll still have sex with you every day and night. That's probably like on tour in like '95. They used to cover "Cut Your Hair" by Pavement, and he would just oh, yeah. make up. That w- those like the things he would freestyle. Do we just talk about? <laughs> yeah, <headphones? laughs> yeah, just a 20-minute monologue. Oh my god. Anyway, so he's not he's not having sex with Sinead O'Connor, but the <laughs> band has never sounded better together, um, and they start recording what becomes "Blood Sugar Sex Magic" with Rick Rubin as the producer so they switch to someone with more uh facial hair <laughs> and uh, I, think that, I don't know george clinton can grow a pretty big beard yeah oh i would like a beard off between the two and this is before uh, he went deaf right it, rick, wait, rubin? rick rubin yeah yes. i think he was on his way to death yeah yeah okay it's it's interesting that they move from uh, george clinton to Rick Rubin. Rick at that time most notable for producing rap albums in New York. Yes. And their style simultaneously moves from more rap rock oriented mm-hmm. to more soulful funky. Yeah. Seems like it would go the other way. But who who knows? There's a great documentary about the creating the creation of this album called Funky Monks in which mm-hmm. they depict how they all moved to a mansion in the Hollywood Hills with Rick Rubin. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get to all this? Um, no. I glossed over this part because... Anyway, it's, it's interesting to watch if you're a, a, a pepperhead uh, about the bonding of the, the band as a family and the writing of the album and how well they gel with Rick Rubin, who's pr- portrayed as this, uh, this, this, this master, this maestro, mm-hmm. uh, pulling all the strings. And also they're very, very proud and interested that it is, in fact, the... Same house in the Hollywood Hills in which Jimi Hendrix lost his anal virginity. Oh, how did they know that? Hollywood, you know, ghosts talk, man, in Hollywood. Was there graffiti on the walls that said Jimi Hendrix's butt was here? Yep. That's how that works, right? Yeah, it's on the Hollywood Star Tours. Uh, (laughs) They stop and point at Jimi Hendrix's, the ghost of Jimi Hendrix's butt. Right. No trip to... LA is complete without it. Um, Rick Rubin, god damn, he was only basically like 28 years old when they recorded uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which is kind of really? nuts. I feel like Wait. I need to work on my lifestyle because I'm going to be 28 next yeah, year. Yeah, why aren't you uh, starting Wait. influential rap labels off of your dorm, out of your dorm room? Why don't I have a beard as long as his? Wait, have you guys, he's only 28, like 25. He looks. Uh, I mean, if you want to see Rick Rubin today, watch any like uh, WWE show where they're in Los Angeles because he's always in the front row. Really? Like ringside. Oh, my God. Oh, he loves it. it but he also it always comes back like, to WWE. With me? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he looks, looks like, like Methuselah now. <laughs> um, yes. Good lord! I'm just don't don't Google image Rick Rubin if you want to do anything after 
Um, just weird. So yeah, they start recording Blood Sugar. Uh, Anthony says that he wrote the lyrics to Under the Bridge by freestyling poetry in his car when he was feeling bummed out that um, Flea and John were smoking weed and like kind of goofing off without him. Cause he's so like right now he's sober, um, which also has to do with why the band is feeling more cohesive and better. But he was feeling a little bummed. Sometimes I feel like there's nobody out there. So just imagine Anthony and his Camaro somewhere just like talking to himself. <laughs> and that's, that's how the lyrics to Under the Bridge got written. So the big question about Under the Bridge, mm. is the bridge a specific place or is it a metaphor? He doesn't. So apparently there is a search for the specific bridge. He does not mention the bridge. And I do, but I do think that Anthony Kiedis has, he's bought drugs from multiple bridges and done multiple, done drugs under multiple bridges. So it might just be like a general metaphor. So there's not a canonical, a single canonical bridge experience as much as it is a melange of an entire early lifetime spent under bridges, both real and metaphorical. The bridges that we seek ourselves and the bridges that we build for ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what is the word when some a part represents the whole? A Schenectady, New York. Yeah, uh, a, a Schenectady, New York. That maybe the bridge represents all the bridges. Yes. In in Los Angeles. What do you think, Nathan? Uh, Where is well, the bridge? Uh, well, you know. Where's the bridge? <laughs> you know, I've lived here for a few months. And I haven't seen any dang bridges. I don't know where he's <laughs> doing this. Do highway overpasses count? Uh, yeah, that's, that's I always a bridge. assumed. I always assumed it was just like. He was under the freeway, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A highway overpass is a bridge in LA, right? Under the on-ramp downtown. That's where, <laughs> I, the, that's where I did doesn't some have the same. <laughs> that doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. But yeah. It's definitely not, you know, like m- those beautiful like medieval Europe, like crossing the yeah the Charles River kind of bridges. Yeah. So it, it's like those, it's like the beginning of the sex season of True Detective. It's like those, those big like figure eight things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things that really bummed me out whenever I saw them in True D and Chris loved them. Chris uh, what loved can I say? Those shots I fucking I was, love infrastructure. So sue me. Infrastructure rules. It Fight was, me. It was me. every. Do anything. I'll, it was go like, to the, I'll go to the ground for it. I'll go to the mat. It was like every three and a half minutes there was a drone shot of an overpass. Enough. Enough, I say. I don't get it. Show me more. <laughs> well, at, least not ju- at least they're not jug handles. <laughs> I hate those. <laughs> What are, wait, what's a jug wait, what's handle? A jug handle? It's, it's these things that only exist in New Jersey where if you're on like a road that's going over 45 miles an hour and you want to make a left turn, you can't just get in the left turn lane. You have to like do a little mini loop mm. out and then in, and then do a left turn. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's obnoxious. But also, uh, he could have written under the jug handle, <laughs> which I think works uh, syllabically. Under yeah. the jug handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that way it's not downtown. It could be anywhere. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Could be yeah then it's really the 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 Ur Bridge is a jug handle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Amazing. Um, what else from Blood Sugar? There's the song Breaking the Girl, which comes from Anthony wondering if he's repeating the womanizing patterns of his father. Um Yes. Yes. Strong yes. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's not the most introspective uh, thing. And uh, Give It Away Now comes from Anthony's old friend and I think somewhat 
sexual friend, uh, Nina Hagen, who once gave him an expensive leather jacket, like years before he wrote the song, um, because the Buddhist idea of giving things away creates good energy. So uh, Anthony was representing that good eng with the song Give It Away Now, which I really like that song. Yes, Give It Away, one of the foremost statements of Buddhist principle in American uh, popular songwriting. Probably. It was the one that the song that freed Tibet. Yeah. Single-handedly. Yep. After uh, that came out, it was free. It was that was also another one we covered in uh, the high school band. Yeah. Oh, great. How do you think it went? Like, yeah. What, uh, what was the trajectory of your band at this point? Um, well, this was still just like a couple of high school boys in the garage banging out their favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper and Rage Against the Machine songs. So it was. I was really. This helped me totally find myself as a vocalist trying to uh, babble scream these uh, Kedis lyrics. Yeah. Like this, we weren't up to the ones where I had to like do the raps. It was just the mm-hmm. the mumbly non-raps. What would you call the the vocal Ch- style in Chance? Way? Chance, that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, was anybody on Jahar for this? No, we didn't. We didn't have any backwards masking guitar either. It was not a, like we never played it live because it wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, without all the signature pieces of uh, music that make that song uh, unique, it would not be very good live. Yeah, like without the effects, there's like no sounds in the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just somebody going boom, boom, bam, bam, boom, bam, boom, 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 for three yeah. and a half minutes. Pretty much. But, and we, I mean, that was the thing. We could do all this because we had a very good bass player. Yes. Yeah, that's the key. I think. He, but he was he hated it. He only likes the band Dream Theater. Are we gonna cover the Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack phase of the band? Uh maybe, because the the rest of the story of Nathan's cover of Love Roller Coaster is also very funny. I feel like we should maybe we Press can on. talk about well no, I was gonna say we should talk about it now because I don't I don't have that in my pod notes, so all right, Nathan, what happened when you tried to cover Love Roller Coaster? Please. So, yeah, it was at the school talent show, so we had to, like, rehearse it, and everyone had to watch us do it, like, in the middle of the day with all the lights on. And there's... I learned all the rap for this. I was at the point where I was a very good rapper, uh, one of the best in the southwest uh, tri-state area of Ohio, <laughs> Indiana, and Kentucky. Yeah. One of the best boy rappers. Um but there's a, at the very end, he says, well, I don't remember any of the words anymore, except that it ends with licorice, licorice whip going to whip your ass. Okay. So I said that. And then the, um, the old crusty Dean walked up uh-huh. and, and like recited the line verbatim to me. And it's like, well, you can't say that. But he just did. I think I that. I think we had to reach a compromise where I instead of saying ass just threw my hand up in the air with the microphone so no one could oh. hear me if I said ass a self-censor yeah I, I had to self-censor mm. but being the original bad boy you were didn't you say it anyway oh yeah oh yeah part of that was <laughs> oh just gosh. I learned it as a whole thing so if I didn't say it I was gonna get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> you were like uh, reading it from the outside in. So if you didn't know that you were going to end with ass, you couldn't have gotten the first part of the sentence right. That is correct. <laughs> oh man, licorice rip is gonna whip your ass. Mm-hmm. It will come uh, for us all, all of our asses. That, and he must have written that for Beavis and Butthead, right? Like that's not in the Ohio Players version. 
Yeah, that's an original cover for the Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack. I have not listened. All right. But perhaps I should. Let's press on with, with Anthony. Great. Uh, just a quick thing. If I had, yeah. If I were in high school now in the same high school band covering Give It Away in my parents' garage, mm-hmm. instead of um, gotta get what I got to gotta give it to your mama, do you think at some point I would have said, what I got you got to give it to Obama? <laughs> I wonder if they've ever done that in concert. That seems like something that they would that would just be just obvious enough for them to do. Yeah, I think <laughs> when they played the White House, they probably did that. Wait, I have the perfect um, perfect theme song for a museum fundraiser, and it's what you got. You got to give it to the MoMA. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Have the Red Hot Chili Peppers ever played a gala at the MoMA? Because if not, huge wasted opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic comes out. Comes out and it is a huge hit, massive hit, crushes it. Everyone loves Blood Sugar. Uh, and let us be clear, that album is tremendous. Yes. Yeah. Every, every song in it is a good song. Some of them are sillier than others, but they're uh, fun, funky incredible musicianship um even the sometimes corniness of the lyrics is out is overpowered by the the soulfulness and sincerity in which they're delivered or the silliness which they're delivered when they are silly uh blood sugar sex magic is a masterpiece i would Mm -hmm. hesitate to say um i don't know am i being hyperbolic about this album it's very good no it's it's like a good album it's one of those long albums that's just full of little surprises, little little uh, secrets and things. I mean, I bet Stephen Thomas or Wire at All Music gave it five stars. I don't know. Yeah, it, I think surprising is, is a good um, word for it because every time that you think it's just going to be dumb Red Hot Chili Peppers music, it ends up being surprisingly touching or surprisingly funny or surprisingly, like, sick solos. Or Yeah, like, there's some good, like, psychedelic... Yeah. Like in, like in the title track... They're playing at the best of their, the height of their talent. The best of their the height abilities. of their talent and uh, the height of their intelligence. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I mean, that's like kind of a weird word to use for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I think it makes sense in the context of that album. Yeah. That they're trying to be more than a stupid sex moron band, even though sex moronity is deeply embedded, ingrained into every fiber of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, it, it, it's horniness elevated to art. Yeah. yeah, like like we were talking about in the last episode, like the three guys are uh, like bizarrely talented musicians. Mm-hmm. Like they have the ability to do this, and they did it, and we shouldn't be surprised. But yeah, they're yeah they have this power. Mm-hmm. It, They've it, cohesed. They have They've cohesed. gelled. And it, it might just be that their aim wasn't as high in some of the previous albums, but when they set their aim higher, they hit it. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, good album. I really like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It's good. a touchstone album for album. me personally. Yeah. And a touchstone album for the era. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Wikipedia describes it as the album subject matter incorporated sexual innuendos and references to drugs and death, as well as themes of lust and exuberance. (laughs) I love that. Exuberance. Themes of lust and exuberance. Same. Same. Um, They, so yeah, Blood Sugar is crushing it. Uh, The Peps go on tour for this album with Up and Comers, Pearl Jam, and the Smashing Pumpkins. Pretty stacked (laughs) tour. That would have been a good tour to see. Casually stacked. Uh, And apparently Pearl Jam, like, over the course of this tour, blows up too and becomes, like, it's one of those sort of syndromes of your opener kind of becomes as popular as you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Keeds was willing to admit that, but I think that might have been true that they... Did he describe it as a real... um Clap your hands, say yeah, opening up for the national situation. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Um, I don't think he was, it seems like Pearl Jam were like, he respects them as musicians and likes them as people, so I don't think he had any beefs with the jam. Um, And then Smashing Pumpkins were, he said that they were extreme, like very extreme partiers, and it was kind of a bummer to not be able to party with with the pumps. Uh, But meanwhile, uh, oh, John are big basketball guys too. Are they? How do you Why think those? Yeah, I've heard they. I've heard they love pickup basketball, and they How used to be those... called uh, Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> <original> name. <laughs> Meanwhile, John thinks that this sort of arena concert level fame is lame, uh, and he's really uncomfortable with it. Just hates it, and it creates a lot more attention, uh, which Anthony calls. Uh, control freak Anthony versus hater of this experience, John. <laughs> and I think we've all met people who are like haters of this experience. And it's like, really? Come on. Enjoy the ride. Anyway, it gets so bad that they basically stop speaking. And then John sabotages their SNL performance of Under the Bridge by playing in the wrong key. Just totally screws it up. Um John. I didn't watch. Has, have either of you seen this moment? Should I've, we like pull it up or something? I've seen it. It's it's i mean it's not hilarious but it's like <laughs> it's pretty great <laughs> should we should we try to listen yeah to let's try to listen okay. so anthony basically says let's that he okay anthony basically says he deals with it just by like just continuing to try like you know there's at a certain point you're on live television and there's nothing you can do but i think it's so funny that snl just provides a venue for people to like sometimes just choke like for 30 years, just a chokage field. Yeah. Once again, the Red Hot Chili Pepper. Oh my God. You immediately see it on Anthony's face. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh my god, this is so Sometimes I feel like my Chad's face is like, dude, dude.
don't know if you guys are going to listen to the whole thing. All right, yeah, let's, let's But you should definitely it. skip to the end, like the, the big under the bridge downtown part, with the backup vocals. Oh my god! Oh, he sounds like fucking Klaus Nomi. Oh my god! Wow, that's I—I'd never seen that before. That's really crazy. And I never heard about that in like rock folklore either. That one missed me, but it's—I mean, it clearly sounds like so. The the backstory is too that like Anthony is doesn't really think of himself as a singer, and this is one of the first songs that he really has to sing. And he says it's like not, he's not used to the range. And he even starts going to like a voice coach to try to learn how to sing for realsies. Right, right, right. And, and then this happens. And so he's always, he needs the guitar cue at the beginning in order to know what key he can't, he doesn't yeah, have perfect yeah, pitch or anything like he's that. He's doing the thing that I do in karaoke, which is like sliding into each note. Uh, oh, hey! Yeah. There we go. <laughs> But he does, he did, honestly, he did a pretty good job of staying in key what or on key, whatever that key was that John I mean, the was more playing. egregious thing is Frushanti just wailing over, oh uh, my God. over the top of it to do those background vocals. I, I don't know. It just seems like giving, given Frushanti's whole demeanor and like his dress, he's, he's wearing um, like a big oversized thrift store uh, sweater coat mm-hmm. and and flannel, um, while the, all three other guys are completely shirtless. Right. It seems like he's taking all the wrong cues of grunge. Of it's like it's cool not to give a shit and fuck everything up and not care about your craft or what you do and just be a sloppy mess. Yeah, but not like in a fun way and in a in a depressing way. Yeah. Well, maybe not even being a sloppy mess because he's actually like playing it right. He's just doing it right intentionally wrong. Sabotage. I, I don't know, but it's like why even rebel against your own band as authority it's very misguided he's in a bad state of mind yeah i um i was i looked this up so i could watch it later mm-hmm. and it appears that somebody did the guitar tab for under the bridge in the wrong key <laughs> wow <laughs> really yeah yeah <laughs> you too can learn how to play like <laughs> the botched version <laughs> yeah. john frusciante <laughs> Uh, under the bridge today. botched SNL dub <laughs> the remix smooks smooks uh, so John quits at the height essentially of Red Hot Chili Peppers initial first burst of popularity in 1992 so that's a huge bummer goodbye John we'll see you later um, they replace him with someone who I don't I didn't note his name there's a lot of uh, shuffling in and out of band members and just for my sanity's sake I didn't note them unless I thought that they were meant to be noted because I don't know who the fuck this person yeah, some, was some, it's some. not Dave Navarro I promise it's some other some other schmo they replace him and then they head out and they play Lollapalooza back when Lala was still a tour as opposed to a stationary festival back when Lollapalooza was hip enough to be parodied by the Simpsons <laughs> yeah um, and Anthony described uh, Lala as a love fest of collaboration. 
Uh, he said members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers play, ended up playing on stage with Ice Cube, Ministry, uh, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. Everyone kind of flowed into each other's sets in a way that I think is mimicked somewhat at festivals now, but must have felt more innovative at the time. Um, and he said everyone was totally chill and happy and collaborative except for the Jesus and Mary chain <laughs> who were, quote, just bitter. One time they went too far with the guys from Ice Cube's band and they got themselves a beating. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> those nerds! Of course, they yeah. got beat up by the Ice Cube guys. Like, what? I want to know what they what they did, but what little sad sad. Do you have boys. any backup background on Jesus and Mary Chain Goss, Nathan? Uh, no, I just know that they're like, I mean, it's like the thing of brother musicians, like the Oasis guys, where they just hate each other and hate everybody mm. else. <laughs> it's just like that kind of stuff. Yeah, but actually, this. Kind of brings up a question that I wanted to ask. Like, does yeah, yeah. Anthony mm-hmm. Kiedis ever play with Ice Cube? Like, does he? Has, is there any history of him rapping with anybody else? That's a great question. He doesn't mention it explicitly, but I would have to assume that like he must have traded verses with Ice Cube or something, right? Even if he wasn't like rapping on. I don't know how that would have worked. That is interesting, and I think probably for his best in hindsight that he never like guested on a rap album in the early 90s or something because i don't think that that would have aged well at all even if it would have been i think good synergy at the time sure but apparently like- uh flea and anthony were in ice cubes music video for his song wicked in 1992 all right that so out. they were like f- right. friends but they were it they they did not guest on it they they merely appeared so yeah, it's just like even Fred Durst. Fred Durst like brought in a lot of guys to rap with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird that Anthony Kiedis never brought like even had like anybody on a like hump to bump or anything. <laughs> <laughs> the this the remixes the twelve inch version with all the uh, secret verses. Yeah, hump to bump urban assault vehicle. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. Or why um, was it even on like a Limp Biscuit album? They like they're both at like Woodstock. Like they were in the same kind of. For suit. some reason, it's one of those things where like Fred Durst and Anthony Kiedis are by phenotype one degree separated. They're they're almost the exact same thing in terms of you know what they do and their place in music, but something about Fred Durst seems so much more distasteful uh, and resonate at such a more sour frequency than Anthony Kiedis, you know? I guess it's California versus Florida. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) That is exactly what it is. As Anthony Kiedis is to Fred Durst, California is to Florida. (laughs) Wow, that's good. That is astute. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. God. Um, okay. So they're having a pretty good time despite the loss of John. In 1993, uh, Anthony meets his next lady love, Jamie, at a club. Um, she's too drunk to get down that night. Uh, but the next night they have a, quote, out of control, over the top sexual encounter. She rocked me in a way that I hadn't thought was possible by a person of her age, 17. Oh, Anthony, come on. Um, Anthony's getting older. They stay the same age, roughly. Uh, it's kind of gross. I don't know how old he is at this point. It's 93. 
he's and like he was 20. born in 62 so he's um getting he's, the late 20s right he, he's 30 oh my god Ooh. almost one and still messing around with the little baby 17 year olds so <laughs> that's yeah he's don't just do like it. this but he's like this rocks yeah he's like this is what i was born on this earth to do like this he is has, good and pure and proper he has no like like he's kind of like i did heroin and that was bad i shouldn't have like that <laughs> that hurt me and the people around me yeah but like having there, long-term sexual relationships with teenagers he's like that's just part of the game and i played it and i was got the high score yeah he's he never once i mean he definitely he describes the girls as young but never blames his problems on their youth it's always you know they're a certain way he's a certain way like he's he if anything he's the immature one he positions himself as the immature one uh which is kind of fucked up well how old was Sinead o'connor when they dated i'm guessing they were probably similar ages right I, I think she was his contemporary. So, but I, he did not. He did not pass through the door. Yes, right. he stayed on the outside of the convertible. So I don't know if she technically counts. I think that uh, that might be a trend to look out for in these rock star memoirs of explaining away their bad behavior in regards to younger people, more mm-hmm. vulnerable people than themselves by saying that they were the wild one they were the immature one mm-hmm. that they uh, you know they she were was too, like a mom to me yeah they were too stupid to know what they were doing uh at the time because i mean i saw that a little bit in the uh book that i read that will be one of the future episodes mm-hmm. uh blaming away like i didn't know what i was doing you know that like that kind of yeah attitude towards things uh which i find maybe not disingenuous but a little uh pathological pathological yes that's a good word for it yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so that's that's fun for him um more teens fantastic uh red hot chili peppers hire dave navarro to be their new guitarist he's fresh off jeans addictions breakup um and so they're stoked about that and then in early 1994 wait how tatted is he at this point this is an important consideration why how how much body mod is he into at this point <laughs> what's his mod what's his mod level uh if you were designing him like a video game character would you where would you put his mod slider body i'm guessing slider. he has like one peck tat but not both like yes. for example like i feel like that might be where he's at, at what did you say the other day about dave navarro's nipples oh um Someone, oh, <laughs> I mean, I talk about them often, but no, the I someone said something about Dave Navarro's like nipple rings, and what my thought was is like, I would have never thought that Dave Navarro had nipple rings, but like, of course he does. Yes, it's almost just like so obvious that you wouldn't consider it as an individual body adornment so much as he's just part of a gestalt of you didn't need to learn piercings and tattoos you didn't need to learn dave navarro has nipple rings to know dave navarro had nipple rings yeah <laughs> exactly we all know deep deep inside yes um i don't know if he had them uh by now but i'm sure he he must have but anyway uh early 1994 anthony gets uh tooth pulled and he <laughs> is treated with novocaine 
and then Valium, and this inspires him to fall off his five and a half year wagon. He Ugh. is struck by the bolt of relapse lightning, as he puts it. So he is back in all the substances. So while Red Hot Chili Peppers are recording their follow-up to Blood Sugar, and he's hiding his addiction, he does things like smoke crack and goes to work on bizarre creations, meticulous and precise drawings of faces and nude women, bizarre bodies, and also scary Japanese demon faces. <laughs> Oh, he's got man. he's got the oni on his back. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to know what Anthony does when he's high on crack, he collages. <laughs> 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 Which I don't know. That same. Remi- <laughs> that reminds me of Duff McKagan smoking all that crack and picking out uh, picking out photos for the first press release. Picking up photos from a contact sheet. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it sounds like um, professional wrestlers Jeff Hardy's uh, Illuminummies. What, what are the Illuminummies? Uh, he also struggled with drug addiction. I don't know if he smoked crack, but he had, mm. had like a very bad painkiller addiction. And he makes these um, <laughs> like mannequin-based art. They're kind of like, okay. they're half mummies, half demons. Okay. And they're but they're made out of mannequins? Yep. And they're called does Illuminummies. Does he still make, like, does he still ha- have them, sell them? Um, Is it a continual practice? Does he have an Etsy store? Yeah. Uh, he, he, I believe does sell them <laughs> or like okay. they still exist. We're right. going to have to get a, a, an intro pod, a Luminummy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. That's, that, it's a real, that's a real uh, closet door. I just opened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Anthony falls off the wagon and gets really into the visual arts yes. and crafts and crafts. Uh, he's been hiding it from his band and he's been hiding it from Jamie. She finds out that he's been using again. Um, and he says they basically get into this codependent pattern of, you know, he binges, he feels guilty and horrible. And then he's like, let's go to Mexico or the Caribbean, someplace warm and sunny. And then they go swimming and get healthy and eat fresh foods and hang out in the sun. And like he gets clean. So he kicks so many times, which sounds so incredibly unpleasant. And then he goes back to LA and relapses, goes back under that bridge. So, uh, I don't know. He said on one trip, he goes down to Mexico, gets clean again, and makes friends with a pelican whose wing had been damaged in a fisherman's net. We were two creatures nursing our wounds. I even wound up writing a song about that pelican. What song is that? He didn't say. <laughs> I don't know if it ever was recorded. <laughs> pelican with your wing, sung down oh so low. We both know how it feels to be below the tide. That's pretty good. I, I kind of John Raphael did. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's his status. Is just a, it, it, at this point, it all sort of blurs together of just a constant uh, getting high and then getting low and then getting high again, and it's making his music writing shittier. Uh, he eventually he gets sober again. He goes to India. He beats the Dalai Lama, and he Wait. has. The Dalai Lama? The Dalai Lama. And apparently, so he literally shows up to wherever the Dalai Lama lives. I'm I'm sure it has like a name. Lama Land. Lama Land. Lala Land. Land. Uh, Village. Lama Village. Yeah. (laughs) He lives in some, he lives in a place. So he goes there and the receptionist is like, you can't just, and he's basically like, hey, what's up? Like, is Dalai Lama around? (laughs) 
And the receptionist is like, no, you can't just come in without an appointment to be the Dalai Lama. Some people spend their whole lives trying to be the Dalai Lama and it doesn't happen. And then they some, he somehow finds out anyway that Anthony's here and then the receptionist is like, crestfallen he's like he wants to see you like he he cleared his schedule so he gets to go talk to the dalai lama um i'm wondering if it's because he played the tibetan freedom concerts maybe yeah, yeah. if you played a mm-hmm. tibetan freedom concert you got one dalai lama chip redeemable at any participating dalai lama location any, yeah i think that's right and Good for one dalai lama because this would make sense so he has this exchange with with the lama he goes, if there's anything I can ever do to help your cause, let me know. And the Dalai Lama says, there is something you can do. If Adam Yauk of the BC Boys ever calls you to play another please festival for us, get me a t-shirt. please make yourself available. And Anthony Kita says, if Adam calls, we'll rock the spot. I promised. Fortunately, it was not Adam Horowitz who later married to Ioni Sky. Yeah, exactly. Avoided that little bit of beastie, uh, beastie, bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> I just love him saying, we'll rock the spot, man. I promise you, Mr. Lama, we'll rock the spot. Namaste. Like, Thank you. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. And the best part is um, later the Dalai Lama is like, do you want to stay for this like chanting session, like this meditation session? And the receptionist who sounds basically like Kristen Wiig's character in Bridesmaids, just this really passive aggressive, like, I can't believe they're letting you do this. He's like, no one gets to do this thing. Like you have to train for years to be eligible for this particular meditation. And Anthony goes and after an hour he says, oh, this is way too much for me. Like I'm going to (laughs) bounce. Yeah, this is a little... I mostly kind of gyrate a lot. That's mostly my meditation. This does sound like a fucking bit from a movie where there's mm-hmm. like a whole line of dudes with shaved heads uh, who have been waiting their entire lives for even one moment in the llama's presence and this fucking long-haired American in like patchwork pants mm-hmm. uh, and no shirt on rolls in and he's like I, I got this number from a guy who was I hear there's a dude here who's supposed to do some Adam Yauk sent me oh Adam Yauk yes come on in and all the other guys are like you hear that whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes. those, those boys of beasties speak true you do one must fight for one's right to party <laughs> That's what you know, was I was going to say longer, but they didn't have any socks. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting a little cold downstairs. Yeah. Oh, Gosh. So, so where where else does his, do his pilgrimages take him? So the Peps release uh, the comparatively inconsequential album One Hot Minute. Uh, do you guys have any feelings about One Hot Minute? I didn't really listen to this one, Nathan. It's not very good. <laughs> it's got a <laughs> yeah, like who you guys remember aeroplane it's not it's yeah okay. that's the big hit from that album right yeah can you hum a few bars <laughs> it's my aeroplane pleasure spiked with pain nope don't remember it my pleasure spiked with Sweet and sour Jane and music is my aeroplane. It's my aeroplane. Pleasure spike with pain. That 
Wow. That the, definitely sounds like yeah. the lyrics of someone who's spending most of his energy trying to hide his addiction from his friends and family. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also yeah. on airplanes to Mexico and <laughs> India. Yeah. And I feel like Dave Navarro was maybe also not not addicted to heroin at the time. <laughs> um, speak, speak of the dev. So <laughs> in 97, they the album comes out. They only play one show, which is Fuji Rock um, in a hurricane, apparently. <laughs> Uh, they rocked them. <laughs> the first time a band will agrees to appear live in a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Flea, Flea calls 97 the year of nothing because the, like, the album kind of fizzles and they don't play basically any shows. And Anthony's kind of fading in and out of sobriety. Dave Navarro also gets unsober. <laughs> um, he shows up to rehearsals in over-the-top floppy renaissance hats. <laughs> 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 what the band calls coke hats because quote you had to be on cocaine to even think of wearing a hat like that <laughs> i can so imagine dave navarro in one of those renaissance hats like a jester hat again i think like a cyrano de bergerac hat <laughs> Yeah, right? Yes. With like the white frill on the sides and it's big and floppy mm-hmm. on top and it's made of purple velvet mm-hmm. and there's a giant feather sticking out of it, right? You could have worn it for like a, mu- a couple months in 1975 and it would have made sense if you were a member <laughs> of Led Zeppelin. Again, yeah. you didn't have to tell me that Dave Navarro wore a floppy Renaissance hat for me to know that Dave Navarro once wore a floppy Renaissance hat. <laughs> I just love that like the rehearsal must have started and Dave Navarro just comes in. <laughs> With his hat on and just like sits down and is just like, what? <laughs> we all, Dave, we all know, we all know we, we, you want us to ask about the hat. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We all, you're wearing a fucking stupid hat and you want us to say something. Is it, no. Yeah. Flea, Flea interjects. You're, you're, why are you hiding your beautiful nylon hair? <laughs> <laughs> it really brings out your pencil thin devil goatee. <laughs> he has had that uh, as long as he's been in public life, right? That goatee. What? He's had that as, as oh, yeah, yeah. So. the public eye. <laughs> it's like a tree, but reverse. You can tell his age by uh, not by the rings of thickness, but how it uh, continuously thins. <laughs> <laughs> it just becomes more and more like 40s film star like until yeah, it eventually yeah. disappears yeah. entirely. They call <laughs> it the John Waters racetrack. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a Dave Navarro painting in an attic somewhere that's slowly growing. Full beard. <laughs> it's like a wolf and that's man. that's actually Rick Rubin. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's the other side of that canvas. It's it appears that Dave Navarro now favors a more conservative. I don't know the different names for all hats that look the same, like a fedora to me, but a it's, trilby. Yeah, tr- you know, a trilby, a Panama hat. I don't know what the, the hell this is, but he. It's a. It's not a. It's not a coke hat. So I don't know whether he's sober or not, but <laughs> according to his hat, I think he is. Monitor Dave Navarro's sobriety by his chosen hat wear. Yeah, it's probably got a bunch of like pins and nails on the inside that just jam into his skull. <laughs> it's the only way he can feel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did open the season finale of Ink Master in like the Hellraiser. With, oh like, yeah, Hellraiser he was suspended by back. his skin, right? Yeah. Oh through, no, like, he's right into his that? shoulder blades. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Nathan was not joking about severe body mod. I used yeah. to see that sometimes when I would monitor Snapchats, and <laughs> I would always just be like, "No, 
I did not sign up for this. Oh, oh yeah. Dimbrough has got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, so they the Coquette era comes uh, to a head, and Flea and Anthony are like, let's get John back. <laughs> like, what if we did that? So they call him up, and John's been doing a bunch of heroin and apparently making visual art, which, oi. Um, but they kind of catch him at a moment when he's excited and ready to join Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I don't know if he just needed money or what, but like <laughs> he's down. He's ready to, to rejoin the peps. He spent his millions on clay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I'm down to my last pack of model magic. <laughs> you know, budget fix. like you know, $300 for food, you know, $800 for rent, $9 million on clay. Please help me budget <laughs> my my, for my family's dying. <laughs> that's, that's John. Yikes. So they, they get him back and then they start writing songs for Californication, such as the song Californication. <laughs> And scar tissue, so really good songs, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, how do, I. How do you feel I about Californication? The album, oh, not I, the David Duchovny show. <laughs> I think it's good. Californication was the first song I learned to play on guitar. Okay, I like oh, got the, so I had you have the, a spiritual link to that one. Yeah, I, ha- I have the songbook, the tab tabletry book for that. You skip "Smoke um, on the Water" and went straight to Californication. Mm-hmm. Uh, "Smoke on the Water" for me was. Um, I think it was Stay Away by Godsmack. <laughs> that was my smoke on the water. Is it Stay Away or Get Away? Was it, was it all of our ge- that generation? Yes. But like I like like I said before, like Scar Tissues still I think it's a really good song. It's a really pretty song. I, I think it's a really great guitar figure. I yeah. like the all the the like the it's the John stuff that is really like he is more important to that band than I think people Dave Navarro. realize. Give him credit for. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's oh true. yeah, and I think it, better than Dave Navarro for the band. <laughs> but like like the back I think like all the backing vocals and the chorus like it makes that song. Yeah, so I I guess like when this came out, I, I thought that it seemed just so much all in the lane of Under the Bridge, where it's kind of like these, admittedly very pretty songs that were kind of these these moby ballads about you know addiction and recovery uh, and soulfulness. But you know, I think as I get older and and look back at it, I I agree with you more and more, Nathan, that that there's a lot of good in these. That, that maybe just wasn't hitting me at the right time. Yeah, I mean, there's also like Around the World and Get on Top and Funky Monk. Or not Funky Monks. I like Dirt. <laughs> I like Dirt. <laughs> I like Dirt. 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 It's still... They still can funk out and totally rock you. Yeah, S- yeah. Silly billies. Yeah, but yeah, the the promotion was definitely ballad-centered. Mm. Yeah. So they're finally feeling back in the groove again. Anthony, at this point, has ditched 17-year-old Jamie, um, and he meets a Balthazar hostess named Claire, who's shockingly old at 23. 
Um, old maid. That might be the oldest yeah. person he dates for a while, honestly, maybe ever. Um, but it's immediately sort of a tense and weird relationship, as they all seem to be. He says one night early on in their relationship, they're at a party uh, and a sort of jealousy standoff uh, with Claire downing triple cosmopolitans, which to me, it's like one triple cosmopolitan sounds like a lot. And then mo- mm-hmm. more sound I'm like, like having more. difficulty even imagining the liquor competition. Uh, composition of a triple triple so you need three like you need three shots of vodka and then also at least two shots of grand marnier or something and then a bunch of cranberry like it seems like it should be in like a big soda cup that's like a punch bowl yeah yeah uh so yeah she's she's drinking these sex in the city drinks and at one point she ends up both on the laps of jack nicholson and joaquin phoenix sounds like a great party honestly like at I don't the really same, see at what the same the, time. I don't really want to see what the problem is now. Only <laughs> only one lap at a time. Wow. Uh, <laughs> he knows how to pick them, yes. uh, but they end up staying together. But Anthony thinks that he's getting with a former party girl who's sort of calmed down. Because I guess when you date twenty three year olds, you assume that all of the craziness is behind them. Yeah, they're, they're coming around the bend at twenty three. Yeah, they're ready to settle down. But, but um, Claire ends up being a coke and heroin shooting, absolutely jealousy-ridden problem of a girlfriend. But meanwhile, Californication comes out. They go on tour yet again. Everyone loves the album. They're sort of back in the in the pep groove. Um, they get blamed for people setting fires at Woodstock '99 because they play Jimi Hendrix's "Fire." Uh, Anthony's like, I I didn't know what was going on. I assumed that they were fun fires <laughs> as opposed to bat the bad fires. Yeah. From, from a stage, everything looks like a fun fire. Yeah. That's the thing. They don't, you yeah. know, Fred Durston mean for people to break stuff. Have you guys ever watched any footage of Woodstock 99? I'm sure you have Nathan. Oh yeah. I, I remember, it was on MTV. I was watching it at the time. Yeah. You did. Wow. Yeah, that was, was a little before my MTV times. Same. I literally wasn't allowed to watch MTV at that time. Yeah, it didn't, especially because they played it, like, Sunday night, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, I already just, like, looked, it looked sour like a and bad. War zone. It, it's pretty crazy footage to, yeah. I, that if you have not watched, I would recommend going back and, and checking out the Woodstock 99, because mm-hmm. especially in today when festivals are so universally well-run and actually kind of, like, aseptic in a weird way. Pristine. Like, pristine and very corporate, and, like, there might be some, like, empty water bottles on the ground at the end of the night but it like that's basically it i can speak personally to the fact that like festival pr companies don't want mud at their festivals anymore like it's not Mm -hmm. seen as a good time like i have heard people running one fest being like please don't like we don't really like the imagery of people in the mud i'm like well it rained for three days straight so don't really know what to do uh (laughs) and that's not the case yeah back then and and woodstock 99 looks out of control it, it, it looks yeah it looks apocalyptic especially the fact that everyone is wearing these god-awful late oh, 90s yes. outfits it doesn't help <laughs> it's probably the closest to the aesthetic of mad max the the world has ever uh achieved that is so true complete with mm-hmm. the water that costs too much to drink lots of lots of straps and weird unnecessary uh accessories over shirtlessness uh, like yeah. shoulder pads <laughs> or something like crazy baggy pants and yeah. no shirts yeah yeah exactly exactly oh god um so yeah they they played woodstock 99 and made it out semi-alive 
Uh, the kicker to Anthony's relationship with Claire is that he's been so far with these women who are sort of maternal, right? Sober or relatively sober. Uh, They're guiding take care him of him. His sobriety. Yeah, his earlier girlfriend Jennifer, the one who tackled him on stage, uh, was was on heroin. But since then, I don't think he had really messed around with girls who had terrible drug problems. But he decides to use drugs with Claire. Um, which is new because he always describes these binges that he goes on as alone. You know, he goes and buys the drugs from weird people alone and he does the drugs alone. He goes into motels and hotels and holiday inns and holds holes up and does the thing and cuts himself off from everybody. But the fact that he involves someone that he's dating is a new low to him. Mm. Interesting. So he yeah. said, he basically says our love nest has been soiled with the negative energy of crack and heroin. His whole dating profile is so weird that like that would be a consideration. And then also that he is this huge famo at the end of the nineties and he's still dating like cocktail waitresses. Yeah. This, right. Like endless stream of, you know, not that these women are nobodies, but you know, that he is constantly seeking these relationships with women who are, so far out of his realm of, of power and authority and mm-hmm. um, notoriety. Yeah, plucked, he's plucking these chicks from obscurity, basically. And then, like, retreating into them. Mm-hmm. Lit- literally. Into into their, into their the door, into the enchilada. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, the he and he still has his dalliances with more famos, too. Um, which he doesn't really refer to, I assume, so he won't get super, super sued. But one person I, that I didn't expect that he had gotten with over the years in the 90s was Sporty Spice. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty pretty dope. Um, that's a good one. But imagine, and, imagine the Spice Girls Red Hot Chili Peppers collabo that never was. Oh, my God, it works. Peppers, Spice, come on, Spice and Peps. So yeah. is Anthony like serrano spice <laughs> and flea is like jalapeno spice yeah 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 chad is habanero john is i assume ghost pepper because he just left the band yeah, he, he, he yeah. flits in and out when they most needed him mm-hmm. but he's a so spicy go a long way you know I just want to <laughs> tab just like a quick whiff 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 of the <laughs> um yeah, no, it's funny that you mentioned the the, pluck, the plucking of obscurity of these women who are not on the same realm as him because he says that's a problem with Claire, that he he treats her to this lavish life, but then she kind of wants to continue it and is, is expecting him to pay for even her apartment after they break up for a spell, like all kinds of just weird stuff that I don't know if necessarily would happen if he had just stuck with, with Melanie C. from the Spice Girls. <laughs> Anyway, um, and I will say, so since writing this book, uh, Anthony has, among others, dated the model Heather Christie, who was 18 when he was 41, uh, model Jessica Stamm, who was 19 when he was 43, and another model, Helena Vestergaard, who was 19 when he was 50. Yuck. (sighs) He still hasn't. It's been... 13 years since this book has come out and he's still dating women who are the same age. I find that so bizarre. It's really sad. Repulsive. Yeah. It's sad and gross and indicative of a uh, deep pathology. Yeah. I just, listen, people can have things in common and, you know, grow bonds over generations, perhaps. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I just can't help but think that, like, he's just 
dating these women that he has not he doesn't speak their language like what do they even know like these are women who weren't born when the first chili peppers albums came out uh, or who, the, the middle chili peppers yeah albums who weren't out. born when the chili peppers had gone from making bad albums to making good albums to making bad albums again <laughs> and then they were born yeah and then the red hot chili peppers made good albums again afterward yeah these are women, you know, they're like, they're born like three Dalai Lamas later yeah. than the first one. Oh, man. They're they're like, um, I mean, it's it's the wave of babies that came after By the Way came out, <laughs> where we got really horny because of By the Way. Fly away on my cell phone, I feel it more than ever. <laughs> yeah, everybody took that one hot minute and produced <laughs> Anthony Kiedis, a good a new girlfriend. Oh there God. was a veritable stadium arcadium of newborn babies. <laughs> um, <laughs> they didn't stop getting uh, with a shindig to make a new baby <laughs> for the <Anthony> Kijis. <laughs> oh, no. So we're basically at the end of this memoir this yes. portion of anthony kiedis's life right yeah so his sober day at least by 2004 was right i think christmas eve of the year 2000 um so he says he's kicked everything for good he said goodbye to claire um and he's he's clean and he ends the book uh close to the end with a sort of sentiment of what what you know his sort of st- uh, artist statement in a way he says my whole life i've wanted to feel pleasure to the point of insanity they call it getting high because it's wanting to know that higher level that godlike level you want to touch the heavens you want to feel glory and euphoria but the trick is that it takes work you can't buy it you can't get it on a street corner you can't steal it or inject it or shove it up your ass you have to earn it when i was a teenager and shooting speedballs, i wasn't thinking i want to know god but deep down inside maybe i did <laughs> wow that's what that's i mean it's like good for him for definitely condensing the sort of raison d'etre of his whole being in a couple sentences yeah Just trying to know god through a bunch of drugs um so this so that's the life of anthony Kiedis as told by scar tissue up to 2004 up to 2004 correct um wow well I'd say let's do a, a quick rundown on where he's been since then. Do we have any good anecdotes about the the Red Hots since then? Can I mention this thing? I'm just on his Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and I want to know if this came up in the book at all. But there's a whole section that's just feud with Mike Patton. <laughs> feud with Mike Patton? Yeah. Does he does he come up in the book at all? Um, I don't think so. Which maybe is like the ultimate sh- shade. Yeah. Uh, just like, you know, I, I hate you. I don't think about you at all. Um, what what does the feud entail? Uh, so Anthony Kiedis saw the video for Epic and was like, this guy's ripping me off. If you can't, then it doesn't matter anyway. You will never understand it because it happens to fast. And it feels so good. It's like walking the glass. Okay. And uh, Mike Patton's like... Frankly, true. 
Mm-hmm. As, but, as, as, look, I've recently rotated Epic into my karaoke Wow, really? Routine. Yeah. Or I'm, wow. I haven't done a live like, yet, but I've been, I've been working on it. Yeah. That's, that's a challenging one. Bravo. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll hopefully get it. I'll hopefully get a chance to debut it soon. Um, but <laughs> I think it's just right for your range. But yes, that is. You should plug. You should plug your karaoke live dates on the show. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I, I mean, if if there is a live date that I know is coming up that I'm doing some karaoke, I will absolutely mention it on the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that, that is exactly a biting off Kedis's stiz. That's a that's a fair accusation to make. Yeah, but it's it's it just goes back and forth of like Anthony Keys is like you're me off. Mike Patton's like. You're just a fake chump. I have I have the chops. I'm good at this. And also, uh, they were signed to the same. Mr. Bungle and Chili Pepper signed to the same label. And Mr. Bungle okay. was going to release an album called California the same day as Californication. <laughs> so Warner what? Brothers bumped their bumped the Mr. Bungle album back. And that has just been a slight that Mike Patton has not forgotten. Okay. <laughs> is, wow. d- is he on Twitter or something every day tweeting about it? Oh yeah, he's got a bunch of sock puppet accounts. Just does <laughs> was Anthony Kiedis on Twitter? He, uh, is I, he? I have no idea. Um, no, but there's plenty of uh, counterfeit accounts for people such as at Anthony Kiedis thirty three, <laughs> at Anthony Kiedis twenty, at Anthony underscore HCP, at real Anthony Kiedis Vivo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean. There's there's options. Okay, at the or beginning part of the part one of this episode, we were discussing uh, wedding fails. Uh, yes, wedding uh, entry fails. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And wondering if anybody has ever walked down the aisle to a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Well, oh. I did a little research on this, and I couldn't find any aisle walk Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. But I can confirm that a Red Hot Chili Pepper song has entered the lexicon of first dance songs. And that song is a song called uh, Hard to Concentrate Kay. off of Stadium Arcadium. Okay. And if you what? Google uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers or YouTube Red Hot Chili Peppers Wedding, the first two songs are like lyric videos, the official music video to Hard to Concentrate. And then it's like Jamie and Quinn's first dance, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Hard to Concentrate, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Hard to Concentrate, First Wedding Dance, Julian Seldon's Ross's Wedding, First Wedding Dance, Hard to Concentrate. Okay. So this uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song, I can honestly say I've maybe listened to once the one time I listened to Stadium Arcadium front to back. Okay. Uh, is a wedding staple so wow the red hot i i just think that it's important to note that they have entered the band the pantheon of bands big enough to have a wedding staple song Mm. do you want to hear a little bit of this yeah i do i'll I'll get my wife in here Anyway, yes, it is a very uh, wedding-y song, and that's all I have to say about it. It seems like a song where Anthony Kiedis sat down and was like, I'm going to write a song that is played at weddings, and yeah. he did it. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, this, I just, this just brought up a little side question. I, wanna, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but does he ever in the book sure. talk about working out? 
Um, like exercising? A little bit when he's getting sober. He'll work out, like he'll box or run. Um, but there's nothing really about getting swole. It's all just basic body maintenance uh, in between injecting his his veins with large amounts of, of heroin. Op- opium. Yeah. Opiates. Yeah. Interesting. Because it seems like he must have a personal trainer by now. And like a yeah. 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 So in they were recently the Peps were on carpool karaoke and with all their shirts off. With right. all all ended up with their shirts off and Anthony wrestled uh James Corden and he's jacked. Not James Corden, obviously, but <laughs> Anthony Kiedis is, is he's like <laughs> a thick slab of pure muscle. It's really <laughs> shocking. You never know, man. You never know. But uh, he's he's truly shredded for a man of his age. I yeah, must he, say. he's like he's getting into that that zone of Iggy Pop old man shredded. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. That's the phenotype for sure. Um, and so as we close our look at our, <laughs> so as we close the book on uh, this phase of Anthony Kiedis' but life, not our hearts, but or our the hearts. doors to our Camaro. <laughs> how how do we feel about Anthony Kiedis? I don't know, man. He he's definitely got this like poetic soul and his capacity for joy seems far beyond the average humans. And I respect his ability to turn party part, dumb idiot party monster into a job and a musical career. But like, there's also definitely some not un, unresolved issues with his maturity and his capability to like deal with normal life. Yes. Heroin's a hell of a drug basically. Yes. And I think that he was using it at a time that uh, stunted him in a very specific way. Uh, I do also think it's admirable the way that he was able to grow his style into mm-hmm. something real that identified with a lot of people from something uh, very silly into something very universal. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, yeah, his immaturity masked under this defensive cloud of I'm or his his I'm the baby you have he, to take care of the baby yeah exactly is <laughs> does he have kids he had a child with Sorry. um the with Heather Christie the one who was 18 when he was 41 I think she was 20 when Ooh. she had the baby oh. so he, she was almost a teen freaking mom yeah <laughs> that's gross Anthony, I mean I really want to 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 love you bro but that personal shit is 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 gross in a, in a irredeemable way yeah that's, I mean, like, all... that's just a huge sticking point yeah i gotta mm-hmm. agree with everybody like that's <laughs> just rough stuff just that he has no no remorse about that or seemingly self-awareness that it is a weird thing yeah yeah maybe he has since 2004 maybe something has kicked in to make him realize that this is a, not just a random set of women, but a pattern. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. Red Hot Chili Peppers music. Good. I don't Anthony Kiedis. Like, definitely a creative genius in a lot of ways. But I also think just at a time when, you know, R. Kelly has a like a cult that he's trapped women in, uh, you can't discount this sort of almost borderline predatory, predatory yeah. i think r kelly yeah. is overtly predatory i think anthony Kiedis is 
like has some interesting modes that Implicitly sort of lean in that direction. Um, yeah, I want to. I, I wish we could end this on a high note, but it, it's hard to. Uh, it's hard. People it's are hard complex, to, layered individuals. Yeah, wipe, wipe that wipe that stuff away. And I will say that he definitely he let everyone see the warts and the all in this. Yeah. in this book he didn't really hold back in a lot of ways except apparently with his feud with um <laughs> with the guy from the Africa. guy from faith on no more <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing they would he refuses <laughs> to talk about his ghost, his ghost writers like so can we talk about faith no more and he's like this interview is over <laughs> <laughs> so that's anthony kiedis thank you for staying tuned for another any final thoughts nathan uh just i mean i really want to get a second book I want to know how he feels about the the, the aughts. Scar- I agree. Scar Tissue Part Two. Yeah, well, it have to be one of the like later period songs, like right. Danny California or Snow parentheses parentheses Heyo. Heyo. Yeah. It, yes. The book. Oh, the book. That would be very good. <laughs> All right. Well, when Snow parentheses parentheses Heyo, uh, or is it Heyo parentheses parentheses Snow? I think it's Snow parentheses Heyo. Yeah. Parentheses, parentheses. It's two parentheses. It's two. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he was he was doing that before the Twitter anti-Semites were doing that. Oh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, when that comes out, we'll have you back on, and probably before then, Nathan, to discuss more uh, of the wild world of rock biographies with us. Yeah, I would love to come back anytime. I like I've said before, love the show. This is right up my alley. Keep Aww. doing it, guys. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for joining, Nathan. I was hoping I could come back for the other for the memoir of the other uh, '90s white sex rapper. The um, what's the book? Yes. It's called uh, "Let's Do It Kid Like Rock? They Do on the Tropic of Cancer: Deadpan <laughs> Diversity and Ironic Sexuality" by Jimmy Papa Lee. Is that a real b- as book? I, I wish i'm sorry oh man oh, no. oh well someone's gonna have to write that now uh i would definitely read a bloodhound gang memoir um <laughs> until yeah. then uh thanks for listening we'll be back with more uh stories of rock and music memoirs soon until then you can follow us on twitter at and intro pod or send us an email at and introducing pod uh at andintroducingpod at gmail.com and our SoundCloud is at soundcloud.com slash and-intro-pod remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and if you do please please I beg of you I beg rate review subscribe rate review subscribe eat sleep rate review subscribe repeat Uh, imagine uh, close your eyes and imagine you are in front of the Dalai Lama and he bends forward to deliver your holy mantra mm-hmm. onto you and he leans right up next to your ear and whispers rate review subscribe the podcaster's mantra uh, but until two weeks from now uh my name is chris wade i'm molly o'brien who are you nathan oh god uh hey nathan <laughs> truman la correspondent chief And this has been And Introducing. Great. And then my weird synthy version of Under the Bridge will come on. Pew, 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 pew. in honoring our great country as Chad Smith.
from the Red Hot Chili Peppers will play our national anthem.